Welcome back into the Young Ag Achievers podcast. My name is Lee Benson. I am the Public Information Officer for the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food, and Forestry. Joining me here shortly will be Oklahoma Secretary of Agriculture, Blaine Arthur. Coming up on the show today, Secretary Arthur will be talking to a couple of FFA kids from different parts of the state, Whitney Glazier of Lomega FFA and Coy Davidson of Elgin FFA. If you're new to the show, we encourage you to go back and listen to the first episode where we explain the vision for this podcast, and we got to know Katie Eisenhower and Sadie Allen, a pair of young Oklahoma ag achievers. Let me now bring in Secretary Blaine Arthur. Secretary Arthur, can you give us a preview of what to expect today when you talk to Whitney and Coy? Well, I'm very excited to hear from both of them, certainly two students who have kind of two unique paths on their achievements through the FFA program and done very well at the national level. So we're just excited to hear about their personal stories and kind of their path through the program. We'll get to that interview here in a moment. But before we get to that discussion, I want to throw a question your way. And our last podcast episode with Katie and Sadie kind of helped me think of this one. And there was a lot of talk last time about showing goats and sheep at livestock shows. So to you, Secretary Arthur, what are your first memories of showing at livestock shows as a kid? Okay, well, um, I did show cattle later on, uh, but as a very young kiddo, I showed horses and my family uh, was very involved in the horse industry. So uh, probably one of my more distinct, I don't know if you asked for a positive memory, Lee, but I'll go with one of my more distinct memories. Uh, When I was real small, I had a pony whose name was Joe. Um, And as many people have been around ponies before, they don't always cooperate and do what you want them to do. Um, And when I was small, we showed at State Fair and Tulsa Fair kind of almost every fall. Uh, but Joe had a really terrible attitude. And so one of my more distinct memories is trying to participate in one of my classes at the State Fair of Oklahoma here in Oklahoma City. And my pony just kept running off the whole time. Um, and I was crying. And this lady on the side that was watching was like, it's okay, honey, you're doing a great job, which I was not doing a great job. But some random gal was giving me some support for from outside the ring. So uh, it did get better with time. Got I got to be a better rider and got some horses that cooperated a little bit better. So lot, lots of good memories uh, on the horse side and certainly on uh, the cattle side as well. And you may have stated it. I might have missed it. But what age were you when this was going on? Oh, excuse me, probably five, maybe six, probably five. Uh, I do question my parents' thought process just a little bit sometimes, but we all survived. So I think it was fine. I think as kids, and especially as you grow older into adult, you probably think back and maybe question some of your parents here and there, but then you ultimately realize that they knew what they were doing, at least most of the time. Or they were just really lucky, or we were really lucky, one or the other. I, I, I don't know. As we parent our own kids, then we decide that our parents were really smart or maybe not as smart, depending on the situation. I know you said you transitioned from you know horses and livestock. I, I did want to ask you one more question. Did you have a favorite species to show when you were throughout, you know, throughout your childhood at all? Probably more on the cattle side uh, and did that as I got a little bit older. Now, I did show a couple of hogs, actually, uh, when I was in high school many decades ago. Uh, so I, I would have said the cattle just now I will I always and I've told my kids this. I never had the best animals at the cattle show, which I was 
pretty aware of. Uh, but I always like to focus on showmanship because I knew I could work really, really hard on showmanship. I didn't have to have the best animal and could be kind of competitive at all different levels, even if I didn't have uh, the best phenotypic um, calf. And so showmanship was something that I really tried to work on when I was in high school. Okay, well, coming up later in the show, the Oklahoma State Capitol will soon be crowded by a very specific shade of blue. We'll explain that coming up. But first, I'm going to hand it over to Secretary Arthur for her interview with Whitney Glazier and Coy Davidson. Well, we're very excited to have two dynamic FFA members joining us here on the podcast. We've got Coy Davidson and Whitney Glazier. And we're going to start out and just have you all tell us a little bit about yourself. So, Whitney, if you want to kick us off and tell us where you're from and anything about yourself that you want to share. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I'm from Omega FFA, um, small town, you know, over there by Kingfisher, not a very big school. Um, my FFA career was, honestly, I started way even before I got into FFA with my dad being an ag teacher and running around with him at all the stock shows, speech contests. I learned the FFA creed when I was four years old at a speech contest waiting on his kids, so that's a really cool memory. And then growing up, I mean, like showing pigs and showing cattle, doing that all through high school was really awesome. And then we got really big into doing the proficiencies and speech contests, and that was one of the things that my dad really was his favorite thing to do was doing speech contests and proficiencies and he was always like you don't know until you try and that's kind of how I ended up on stage at the national level as a star finalist and then ended up going on and winning the American star was he asked me one day when we were um working on my American degree he was like do you want to run for an American star and I said well if we don't try we won't know so let's best leave no what ifs could have been so that's kind of how we did that. So now, Whitney, certainly lots of folks who are listening are familiar with the FFA program and proficiencies and the STAR, but for someone who is not, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what that proficiency is or, you know, how you put that together and then the process uh, to apply and uh, be selected as one of those top four uh, there at National Convention. So proficiency, um, every FFA member has to have or should have an SAE, which is a Supervised Agriculture Experience Program. Um, which is there's various, very vast different types of SAEs. I had quite a few going through high school. Um, my main ones were obviously beef production, grain production, forage production, just different things like that. And they're also split up in two different categories, like placement, which is where you are going and working for somebody else, and entrepreneurship, which is where you own your own business or own your own operation and what you're doing. Um, mine was kind of was a mixture of placement and entrepreneurship, but focused mainly more on the placement side of things. And to start off, you have to um, in this fall, kind of at the same time that you'll kind of fall winter, you will um, apply. And those applications for proficiencies are due in February, I believe. And you apply with USAE, and because of that. If you get selected as a top three um, in your state, you go on to the state convention. That's where you get announced as one through three. And then in that area, all the first place are the state winners and the proficiency areas get to have the opportunity to go on to um, the national level and get their SAE and proficiency um, judged and evaluated on the national level. And that's kind of how I got my feet 
kind of what on the national stage was that I was a, I went to I got to actually go to national convention and be a finalist in forge production um, and got to go through all that really cool process of the interview and all that kind of things and then during COVID actually I won a the grain production proficiency at the national level and so that kind of made me want to try to win an American star and go honestly just apply for the American star and I'd gone through the process of the state star when I was a senior and did not get my district or my area star and I was just like okay it's fine it wasn't meant to be at that time and then I we really just like you apply for your state degree you apply for your American degree and we did that and yeah we just applied and I got a call one day about first part of July and was like from from Trevor Lucas and he was yeah. like you're an American star finalist and I was like N- wait what are you <laughs> kidding it was just so surreal and then from that point on it was just go time in preparation for that because my interview was at the end of August. So yeah. it was just really time crunch to get everything done. Well, very cool. And o- Oklahoma is very, very proud of you. That was, that was very exciting to see for all of us who were there. So uh, we're going to jump over to Koi. Uh, so Koi, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, any of your projects or anything that you want to share. Absolutely. And just like Whitney said, it's a pleasure to be here. And I uh, want to thank you Secretary Arthur, for allowing us to be here today. Um, but a little backstory, my na- like she said, my name is Coy Davidson. I'm currently a junior at Elgin High School. Uh, my FFA career started not um, not alike a lot of uh, many other FFA members. Um, I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up showing animals. Uh, my FFA career kind of started my fifth grade year when I actually moved to Elgin. Um, I grew up in Moore, and when my dad got a job at the tech center there in Lawton, we we started at the school at Elgin, and I remember um, the ag teacher at the time was Marty Jones. He asked if I wanted to give an AFR speech, and I think that was what started my whole FFA career. Um, and that next year, Mr. Bradshaw, I gave multiple speeches for him uh, through the AFR, and once I could not wait to um, be an eighth grader for I can actually start wearing the FFA jacket and um, since then, I've competed in multiple different uh, FFA competitions, camps, conferences, uh, anything that FFA has allowed me to um, be a part of, and, and that's where I am today. So I, I love that because I think a lot of folks think if you don't grow up on a farm or your family's not directly involved in agriculture, that there's not a path for you in FFA. Uh, but you, you also have done very well uh, in your SAE. So tell us a little bit about uh, the different competition CDEs that you've been mm-hmm. in and some about your SAE. Absolutely. Uh, I've competed in a couple different CDEs and LDEs, uh, public speaking. Um, ag- I was actually a na- national runner-up for ag sales just last year. Uh, a couple LDEs I pr- did was employment skills. I won the state employment contest this past year and was able to represent Oklahoma at the national level as a, an employment skills candidate or competitor. And I actually made the top 12 and got to compete at the second day this year at in, in Indianapolis. And so that was an amazing experience getting to go through those interview processes. Um, I've also competed in Parley Pro, um, just about anything, uh, livestock judging. I like to do just a, l- a little bit of everything that FFA likes to offer. And then like you mentioned, the SAEs, I have a couple different supervised agriculture experiences. Uh, one of those being 
Um, I actually have the opportunity to make duck and goose calls for um, hunters all around Oklahoma, and I've actually had the opportunity to sell these products to um, people in a lot of different states. I make duck goose call, duck and goose calls along with lanyards to go with these hunting products. I also have a supervised agriculture experience in the outdoor recreation area, where I was able to be a part of our chapter. I actually was able to help start our chapter sporting place program, and um, that was one of the first things I did as an eighth grader. I talked to one of my ag teachers and to what would it take to start a sporting place program. I grew up hunting and fishing and loved the outdoors, and I, I thought that would be an awesome opportunity for some of the kids in our chapter. And I was able to talk to my dad and allow us to practice at our property, and so I was able to help him uh, build this shooting range and get to monitor all these students come and practice. And we started with um, something like 13 students uh, my first year, and now we have over 40 students um, actually competing in sporting clays. So that was an amazing opportunity. I would say it sounds like you have a few things going on. Yes, uh, just a couple of things going on. Uh, Whitney, want to jump back over to you and uh, want to, obviously you've had lots of uh, success and things that um, have gone well, but I think it's always good for students uh, to hear about, think of, and Koi, you kind of be thinking about this too. Think about a time if it was at a livestock show or a speech contest when things didn't really go quite like you wanted them to, and then how you navigate through that and kind of give some advice or encouragement to other students that are uh, maybe not seeing things pan out like they want them to. I would say probably for me, like one of the biggest ones that I remember I uh, can think of is I graduated in 2020 from high school. And so right in the middle of COVID and we were there in the barns at Oklahoma City, doing Hawaii, hoping and praying that, you know, we'd get to show our bears and the market animals at Hawaii because I was a senior, and we were standing there that night when, um, yeah, Mr. Jimmy Harrell walked out and was like, it's over, it's done. It, like, we tried all we could but could not keep it open, and it was just so devastating because that next morning we had to take all of our bears and we took them to the truck, um, to market because we didn't want to take them home we had no reason to take them home and it was just a different kind of feeling having to load them up and get rid of them knowing I never got to see what they would have done on the biggest stage in Oklahoma at that time. No I think Whitney certainly for uh, lots of livestock enthusiasts uh, that is a memory that uh, many of us will carry with us for a long long time. Um, and especially for the market exhibitors. So for so for any of our listeners at that year at OIE, our breeding exhibitors did have a chance to show, and they had tried to adjust that schedule to get us through that as quickly as possible. But most of the market animals had actually moved in uh, to Oklahoma City. And uh, to your point, there's not another show. You're not you're not taking that um, heifer home to have a calf or doe or whatever the situation might be. So certainly. Um, not one of our favorite memories, and we all know 2020 brought some uh, crummy things with it, and I think for especially seniors, um, that was a really tough one to try to make sense of why it kind of sorted out that way. So, Koi, what about you? What's something um, that, you know, speech contest-wise or um, one of your, or just anything uh, that you were preparing for or working for and just didn't maybe sort out like you wanted it to? Yes, ma'am. I think just about any FFA member or anyone is going to have a time that 
um, things didn't work out. You, you prepare for something and uh, the outcome isn't how you expect it. I think um, for me personally, my first experience like that was my freshman year. I was actually made it to state uh, for two different prepared public speeches and the FFA creed. And I remember is the my last room of the day I was going to give an agri-science speech and I walk into the room to start giving my speech and I start off on the wrong speech. And, oh, no. and the moment I started saying the wrong speech and the judges were looking around trying to figure out where the speech was coming from, oh, no. uh, it was definitely... It, it was definitely a situation that it, you didn't want to happen, yeah. but uh, you learned a lot from that, and um, I was able to um, learn from that experience and, and to continue to practice for the next year, but um, it, it's definitely those opportunities or those situations uh, through your FFA career that make you better, I think, uh, and every time that something doesn't go well, I think it's an opportunity to go in and practice more and to, to be able to um, end up having the outcome you want to. Now, I think I think that's great advice, but also the fact that you had two prepared speeches and your creed uh, as a freshman. So kudos to you and your ag teachers for getting you that prepared. <laughs> so that that's pretty impressive without a doubt. Uh, Want to shift a little bit. Uh, we've been talking about you all and the FFA program, some of your activities. Uh, but one thing that we certainly try to do here, and uh, Lee is our public information officer, is a big part of his job is sharing um, about agriculture, um, about what we do here as an agency. So want to hear your all's perspective. And, Coy, we're actually going to have you go first on this one. Okay. But how can we better share um, our ag story with non-ag folks? And maybe, you know, not coming from an ag background, you may have a unique perspective on that. But uh, you all are a, a much uh, younger crew than uh, I am and a lot of the folks that I work with here. So Give us some thoughts about how we can do a better job sharing ag story with consumers and the general public. Absolutely. I, I think that's uh, a great topic right now because um, we're in a world that we need agriculture and in a world that people are, there's more and more people nowadays who are losing that knowledge of agriculture, like you said. And so I think a good way that, we can advocate for agriculture or, or the good way to share um, to those people who may not know as much as others is just being able to advocate um, any chance you get telling other people um, the importance of it. Um, without agriculture, I mean, we wouldn't have food on our table. So if people really found out the, the true importance of agriculture and everything that we do, um, I, I think that would help out a lot. And, and in, especially in this younger age, um, more and more people are on social media. I think it's something that a lot of um, people don't want to think about, but it, it's actually happening. And so I think that's a great platform for um, people uh, like us to be able to advocate for agriculture is through social media, through um, the tools that we are being provided with. And we, while we might not like it, um, that's how... It, the younger kids are these days and how they're growing up to be. And so um, it's a great platform that we're given to be able to actually share with these um, students. Okay, wonderful. Whitney, I know you're at a little different stage uh, in your life. So what's what's your perspective on how we can do a better job telling ag story? I think what Corey said is really good that using social media to bridge the gap between like, consumers and the producers who feed the world. Um, but taking and using like the older generation and getting those stories and putting them out there 
on social media and to show, try to bridge the gap between the generations and showing that this is what we did or what they did and like this is how it's changed to now and just like giving those stories that like I myself grew up listening to from my grandfather and my dad um, about being a young kid on the farm and then just having my own stories um, from growing up on the farm and all the stuff that comes with that and you just don't be afraid to tell someone about your story or just a little bit about agriculture and like if you can just educate one person who can then go on and educate multiple other people you make a connection and you spark a spread that's going to go out and make a bigger impact than you even could thought be possible no i think that's great i think the personal story always resonates with folks a lot um One thing uh, that this time of year I spend a lot of my time doing is uh, I spend time at the state capitol, which we're just a a few minutes away from the state capitol here where our office is. But a lot of that is having conversations with our state legislators about ag policy. And we've got some wonderful legislators, many of them who are in the 4-H and FFA programs and certainly understand what we do. Uh, But some of those legislators, even from rural areas, Uh, Maybe don't understand some of the challenges that ag producers face or maybe don't understand all the pieces of the FFA program. So if you are going to be speaking directly, Whitney will have you start. If you're going to have just a couple minutes uh, to talk to a legislator about why they should care about farmers and ranchers or why they should care about the FFA program uh, in their local district, what would you share directly with a legislator, be it a member of the House of Representatives or one of our state senators about why ag should be important to them or the FFA program should be? I think starting off on the FFA program, it is one of the best programs that young kids can grow up and be involved in because it not only connects the gap between agriculture and like consumers and just people in general, but it also is so much deeper and it's a bigger community and organization than most people even realize most people think of FFA and they think of showing and agriculture but know that you've got you've got speeches and you've got like vet science and poly pro parliamentary procedure and just so it's so diverse and there's so many different avenues and ways that it's not just about the animals within agriculture you can use the like agriculture communications and just ag sales, like all these different avenues that not only do you have to be showing an animal, but you can use those and they go on and may not be completely related to an ag career, but knowing they have that ag background, they can continue to spread the world of agriculture, even if you're not directly involved in agriculture when you get older. Okay. No, that's great. All right, Coy, here's your elevator speech. You're, you're, Stuck on the elevator with a legislator who doesn't know about ag, so you got to convince them in the minute until you get up to the fifth floor. Okay, I'd love to. <laughs> I, I think I think I would mention to them and and really um, show them the importance of of allowing these FFA members to chance and really pushing for uh, more FFA chapters, more schools offering this the FFA and 4-H programs because. Um, at this time, I mean, the FFA members, the 4-H members, there are next generations of agriculturists, and, and it starts with them. If we slowly lose our connection to these FFA members, if our FFA chapters start slowly 
um, decreasing in numbers, then that's where we uh, see the loss in our future. And, and I think it's really important that we uh, hold them accountable to encouraging FFA members, encouraging schools to ha- hold FFA chapters and have ag programs. Um, because just like uh, Whitney said, that there's a really... It, the FFA world goes a lot deeper than just the showing industry or just the speaking industry, and it teaches leadership skills that these students will use the rest of their life. It teaches them um, how to speak to others and all these things that their life skills that uh, these individuals will use the rest of their life. So I think that's what I, if I had the opportunity to, to speak to one of these legislators, it would be really pushing for um, more help and more work with the FFA members and the 4-H members themselves. So I'm just going to ask Mr. Bradshaw if I can just drag you around the Capitol with me the next yes. few weeks and we'll, we'll get all the legislators uh, convinced. So, uh, Coy, you did kind of open up an opportunity uh, for me to touch on something that um, is, uh, is a high priority, and that's making certain that all students have access to the FFA program. Uh, and we know we always need more ag teachers, and uh, you all understand that. But uh, what I'd like to hear from both of you all, and, and Whitney, certainly growing up with a dad as an ag teacher, you probably have a neat perspective, but why would you um, encourage someone to be an ag teacher? If you, you know, if someone's in college or deciding what they want to do, why would, why would you say being an ag teacher is important? How has that impacted you? But uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, ma'am. I think uh, I have currently, Elgin has uh, three ag teacher program and I think all three of my ag teachers and um, all, all three of my ag teachers have had a deep connection with me and have allowed me to been big role models for um, for all I do uh, even if it's not in the agricultural world and for someone that I'm encouraging to become an ag teacher I mean the ag teachers the, these days and I mean um as long as you can remember, they do everything. I mean, That's it just, right. we were talking to some ag teachers just before and um, of how much they how much they do for these kids and for their school and for their chapter. Um, it, it's an important role, and it's a lot harder than one would think. I'm trying to get all these students where they need <laughs> to be and uh, making sure their animals are okay, making sure their speeches are good. But um, it, it's something that, like you said, we do need more of them. It, we definitely need we're definitely in a need for more ag teachers as we want to continue to grow this uh, program. And this is a great opportunity where um, an ag teacher gets to do it all. I mean, they get to help students do just about anything they can think of. And so I definitely encourage um, those younger students in, in FFA or in 4-H to, to think about that and, and to potentially want to become an ag teacher. Okay. No, that's great. All right, Whitney, now you drew, you grew up in the midst of all ag teaching all the time. So uh, what what would be your encouragement for someone to pursue that path? I will say, it, while it is long hours, but it's so rewarding to get to see the kids' successes, whether that's in the speech room, with the SAE, or with the livestock and their show projects. Just like, it's so rewarding to see all the time and effort and hard work that they put in, see it pay off, and that knowing you got to play just a small part in getting them to be where they are. Um, going through my FFA career, I had multiple ag teachers, so yeah. I got to be molded by multiple different people, and they all had different perspectives, but 
if you can make an impact on just one kid one time, you have made you have done something right, and it's you get to see kids from all walks of life and help them not only develop a better love and a deeper connection for the agriculture industry, but also make them help mold them into the kids they will be when they graduate high school and know that you did your job in helping make them good, respectable young women and young ladies, young men, yeah. and knowing that you set them up for success for the long haul. No, that's great. So let's talk. Let's We've talked about accomplishments, things you all have done. Um, let's talk about uh, future goals, either projects that you're currently working on or big plans or different uh, areas in your SAE. Coy, why don't you start us out about what those things are kind of on the horizon or future plans that you've got? Okay, so some future plans. I mean, we're just about to roll into the busiest time of the year for an FFA member as the spring comes up. Um, uh, all the competitions you can think of are coming up. So all the practices we've had uh, throughout the year are all going to are gonna be paid off now. And so the next couple months are going to be really busy. And actually just this Monday, I'm going to be going to show my calf at the county show for the first time. Okay. And then from there, I mean, we'll be gone just about every other day for a livestock judging contest or a Parley Pro contest or a speech competition. So uh, the future looks very busy, and that's something that uh, all FFA members uh, get to experience. But I think it's an, an awesome time for students to uh, learn different skills and um, be able to experience this. So tell us, you. I know you uh, mentioned you did not come from an ag background, and I think this is your first time to show a calf this year. So yes, for a student maybe that's not in the program yet or thinking about maybe I want to show something, like tell us how that has that, have you enjoyed that? Are you thinking this is a one and done kind of a deal or what? Tell us a little bit about that part. Absolutely. No, I've really enjoyed it and I've had the opportunity to be around it for a little bit. It's not something that I've, like you said, I've grown up doing, but uh, the last two years, I've been able to uh, be around it a little bit and learn more about it. And it's something that I've always said I wanted to try. Um, it's something that uh, as soon as I became an FFA member, I, I wanted. I told myself I wanted to do a little bit of everything. Okay. And showing was something that um, wasn't re didn't really run in my family. So it's something that I had talked to my parents about and they said would never happen. <laughs> and so uh, this past year when I finally convinced them, I, I think... Uh, I've really enjoyed this process and I'm really excited to see the outcome of this. But um, for those members who are looking forward or um, looking to see if they even want to show, I definitely encourage it. Um, you learn a whole bunch of life skills, how to feed an animal and how to take care of of an animal and the responsibility of having your own animal and to be able to get them ready for that show day. And so I definitely encourage it for uh, FFA members who might not want to. Um, or are interested in it, definitely try it out. I mean, it's not something that you have to do forever, but it's something that uh, you would, it's definitely rewarding and um, fun to do. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now, Whitney, tell us a little bit about uh, your in school and kind of looking at your future plans. Tell us what you've got on the horizon uh, in your career search or career opportunities. Yeah, so I'm a senior at Oklahoma State University, and I'll graduate next fall with my bachelor's in animal science. Um, looking past that, I hope to go to vet school here, hopefully at OSU. If not, obviously somewhere else. But my big plan is to go to vet school, and once I get out of vet school, I'm not 
quite sure on how I want to start. Um, I've had a lot of mentorship and I've seen a lot of people's different practices and I don't know whether I want to go work at another practice right out of vet school or if I want to start my own. I know I want to be mainly large animal focused just because that's what I grew up around, grew up doing. Um, and there's always a need for large animal veterinarians, especially in rural areas where there is not a vet for maybe two hours or more. And it's just try to help alleviate um, the shortage that you have there. And so that's hopefully we'll make that happen. So No, that's very exciting. Whitney, you hit the nail on the head. We need more large animal practitioners, especially in rural parts of the state. So very excited to hear that and uh, very excited to hear you want to go to OSU to vet school. Um, my, you don't know this, but my mother is a veterinarian and my older sister is a veterinarian as well. So love to see people. Uh, she was a smart one, so she's a veterinarian and <laughs> I do this job. Um, but we're that's that's exciting. And um, it's, a, it's truly, we, uh, Lee and I were in D.C. week before last, and it is a national issue uh, when we talk about the lack of veterinarians and food animal veterinarians because they're so important to all of us livestock producers. So it's exciting for us to get to hear young people that want to pursue that path and stay here in Oklahoma too. That's always exciting for us uh, that you want to stay here in Oklahoma and hopefully service some rural parts of the state as well. So that's very exciting to hear. So we're going to, um, I'll just give you all um, a chance to um, have uh, one, uh, I'll this kind of as we wrap up here, one thing uh, that you want to share uh, that you haven't had a chance to, or you can share a funny story or an interesting fact that someone might be surprised with. You could share a funny story about your ag teacher, Koi, if you wanted to. <laughs> um, but just what's something that we haven't touched on or haven't covered that uh, you want the listening audience to hear from you? And Whitney, uh, we will start with you. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't even know. Uh, I guess just getting the opportunity to come here and be a part of this new upcoming podcast series that you guys have started um, was a really awesome honor. And I'm just glad to hopefully just share a little part about my story. And just if it makes an impact on one person, then it was worth it. And it did what it was supposed to do. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Koi. All right. Um, just like Whitney said, I think this is an amazing experience to be here today and uh, be able to talk with you um, I won't share any bad stories about my ag teacher since he's sitting in the back of the room right now, but I think something that would be helpful for all of us, and it might be a little bit different than what you asked, was um, maybe ask you a question. Well, okay. what are some of your advice for, for Whitney, but also for myself and just for any FFA member or 4-H member who might be listening to this um, podcast? What is your advice to them and um, what are some things that you think are very important as we uh, go throughout our FFA career? Sure, you bet. I, I always think the uh, greatest advice that I like to share with folks is if the plan doesn't go exactly like you think it's supposed to, don't give up. Um, I have plenty of students up here. I really wanted to be, and your ag teacher knows me well. We grew <laughs> up together. But I thought I wanted to be a state officer, and that path did not work out for me. Um, and that was really, really disappointing. Um, at that point in time. And then as I've gotten older, I had jobs that I interviewed for and I was not selected for those jobs. And I really, you know, at that time really wanted that job or was really interested in going to that certain location or working in that uh, field or area. So it's, I think sometimes, and, and it's a great part of being in 4-H and FFA both, that we 
um, are taught to, okay, here's everything that you need to do to achieve this. You know, you memorize your speech, you go to this, you fix this. And and sometimes we do all of that and it just doesn't sort out. I mean, sometimes we see that with livestock, right? Mm-hmm. That we do everything we're supposed to do and maybe our barrow gets hurt or um, our calf's not gaining weight like we want. You can pick all those things. So I think it's to just never give up. Uh, and part of that being an ag, you can't give up because... <laughs> The weather may change, the crops may not grow, whatever those pieces are. But I I think it can be very discouraging in the moment. Um, And you all are certainly very high achievers. And so you kind of are accustomed to, I'm, you know, going to do well here. And then it kind of sets you back a little bit when things don't go quite like you want them to. So it's just to never give up. And then the other piece is to really utilize the resources that you have around you. Um, your ag teachers, all your teachers at school, your coaches, those folks want you to succeed and they will do everything that they can to help you succeed. Um, and I think there's sometimes uh, that you might get discouraged, but there's always a team of people that want to help you. And even in college, I think it was always surprising that it was a, a faculty member or an advisor that cared. I mean, there's lots of people that are out there that want to help you and to utilize those resources and uh, just work hard and Uh, The path may not have been the way that you planned it, but I do feel like if you work hard and do the right thing, um, then uh, it usually um, goes the direction. Now, it may be a surprising direction, (laughs) uh, but usually goes a really, really good direction for you. Awesome. Well, I know I appreciate that, and I think all the listeners will appreciate being able to hear your advice. So. Well, we are very, very glad uh, to have both of you all join us here for our podcast. Again, we had Whitney Glazier and Coy Davidson, two of our outstanding um, FFA members here in the state of Oklahoma, uh, that we're very glad to have on. Um, And thank you guys again uh, for joining us this afternoon. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Whitney and Coy have departed. Lee Benson back here alongside Secretary Blaine Arthur. Secretary Arthur, what are your biggest takeaways from talking with that duo? Well, certainly two talented young individuals, and I thought a unique contrast of stories of having someone who really grew up in the midst of agriculture and had gone through the FFA program, and then from Coy's perspective, he moved uh, to that area and got involved in the ag program, so great to hear kind of from each of them how it had benefited them with just growing up on kind of two different paths. The... The part of the interview that Whitney talked about mentioning when she was in high school and during 2020, I, I, I feel like we had the same conversation with the last podcast where a lot of these kids obviously were in high school that we talked to if they're in college or not necessarily if they're in college, if they're still in high school and, and they were affected by that. And so that uh, I, I just wanted to bring that up because just the, the idea, I, I feel so bad for so many kids that didn't get to whether it's compete at OIE or if you're an athlete, you know, playing the state tournament. And so I do think that's a, a great example of a situation you know, in their life when they're young that, oh, no, what happened? But they've kind of bounced back from it. So it was good to hear that story. I, I always kind of enjoy that stuff because I can't imagine what it would have been like being a kid in 2020, whether you're in high school or college, and then something that you've been preparing for for all this time and you can't do it. And they've been able to get through it and they've had successful 
lives and ag careers since then. You know, certainly resiliency there, but I think it just is a reminder to all of us how uh, challenging that was. And and certainly I think we think about the health aspects and businesses shutting down, but to your point for, you know, if it was the athlete that was headed for uh, track or basketball or the the students that spent so many hours preparing those animals for that event and then uh, just to have it very quickly taken away and there is not another option. Uh, But, you, you know, heard Whitney say that's just, Life sorts out like that sometimes, and she's gone on and done exceptional things since then. And so it sounds like that you'd like to bring Coy along with you around the state capitol to sell (laughs) FFA because he had some good ideas. And uh, I'm talking about how it's really important to push FFA in multiple schools. And I think both of them talked about how it's it's not just – the the ag portion of it ffa and 4-h and all of these ag uh, youth organizations they build up leadership skills that lead to success and that's something that i've certainly learned a lot since i started at this job and don't have an ag background i had no idea how much uh, uh how many skills kids can learn in these ag programs outside of just doing agriculture type things and so i thought that part was pretty interesting too no i did too i think the career development side the leadership development side and making sure that people outside of the ag realm are familiar with that that you know these students say you know we would want them to stay in production ag or ag business whatever it might be but ultimately um, they're going to be significant contributors to their communities wherever they land because they're going to um, you know be civic leaders or corporate uh, CEOs and that's a great thing about the uh, program is giving all those skills to all the kids that come through the doors. For Coy, his part where he was talking about how it's going to be the first time showing a calf, somebody like me, I have no idea what it's like to be in that room. I know you do. So uh, maybe you talked about it with him a little bit during the show, but can you like what is he going to feel like going for the first time being with the lights bright shining on him and uh what's that going to be like you think for him and and i i like the fact that the fact that he said you know what i'm new to this so i just want to try everything out and see how it goes and he sound, sounds pretty confident that he's going to do well no, I think that was great to hear. And, and I think wonderful to hear a student that's encouraging other kids. Hey, you, your family may not be in the livestock business, and that's okay. Uh, but I think very optimistic. And, you know, just the whole point of he's found people that even though that's not what his family does, but he's found folks that can help him with it. His ag teachers are helping him with that. And I think he's certainly very excited about the county show. And uh, we'll have to check back in with him to see how, right. how the county show goes and how OIE goes. But uh, my guess is, is as much as he prepares for all of his other activities, uh, that he'll be as prepared as possible uh, for both of those events. And then the last thing, when Whitney brought up how she wants to go to veterinary school, she, she hopes she can go to OSU. And, and I, I just know that uh, when she talked about how she wants to be a large animal vet and the, you know because of the rural areas are just shorted. So she hit on all the things, and I know that you talked about it a little bit. So that stood out to me as well because I know I've learned from you and, and from everyone here at the department how important that is and uh, how not just in Oklahoma but across the United States. So somebody like Whitney is, is going to hopefully try to uh, not necessarily solve that problem, but she's going to help improve it. You know, it was wonderful to hear uh, that she – wants to pursue that path, wants to be in food animal medicine, and then wants to stay in Oklahoma and in rural parts of Oklahoma. It's a big void that uh, really impacts because someone listening might say, okay, Blaine, why do I care if we have a veterinarian? I don't own cattle. I don't own goats. I don't pick whatever the species is. Well, we've got to have those veterinarians to uh, make our food supply chain work the way that it needs to. Uh, so if it's uh, being a practicing veterinarian,
vegetarian, if it's working for USDA um, on the food safety side of things, if it's working for us at the Department of Ag and Scott Yates and his food safety team, veterinarians are a huge piece of making sure our animal protein food supply chain works. So was excited to hear that that's what she's pursuing. Were you prepared for Coy to turn the tables on you at the end and ask you a question? I was not. You know, you got to watch these <laughs> students that they were just kind of, you know, they were taking over our podcast, which we love. We love that no, they're very well-spoken and uh, they're not afraid to, uh, to jump in there. So that was, uh, that was great to see for sure. And I think what you, you said that your answer is always good because no matter how much experience you have or don't have, you know, you were talking about how it's important to realize that things don't always go the way that you plan. I mean, a lot of the times they do, you prepare and, and, and you can have success, but it doesn't necessarily always happen that way. And especially coming from somebody like you in the position that you're in and your, your background and, and these kids are, they're already so successful in their lives, but they're right. young. Uh, and maybe certainly they've had some ish instances where things have not gone their way, gone their way, but maybe they, Maybe it hasn't been that big of a deal. It's good probably to hear from somebody like you that, hey, yeah, even in your adult life, like a job that you want might not get it. So what? Move on. It'll be okay. (laughs) Just have the right attitude. So I think it's good to hear that kind of advice, no matter how old you are. Well, and I think we get very accustomed to seeing everyone's highlight reel because of social media. And that's great. And we like to celebrate our friends and their success and all the things that go well. But um, I don't know that we're always as good as sharing uh, the things that don't go like we want them to. And so I think we're at a time when people just think, oh, well, look at that person. You know, look at Lee. He was a college athlete and then he was on uh, television and now he's doing all these cool things. And so when people just see those pieces, but everybody, no matter what you do in life, you're going to have some bumps along the road and you just have to keep going and uh, persevere and work hard and show up every day and um, it all eventually sorts out. Well, anybody that's played baseball at any level, which I did at a small college level, will tell you they've messed up quite a bit and made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> it's a game of failure. And certainly if you work in television, uh, you're going to mess up uh, quite a bit. You, you just hope that you mess up a lot in the smaller markets where there's not as many people <laughs> watching that are capturing that on television exactly (laughs) well before we wrap up this episode i did want to acknowledge the fact that tuesday february 20th is ffa day at the oklahoma state capitol which is a cool day for ffa kids here in oklahoma and i know you secretary arthur you have a great relationship with ffa and i know you enjoy it when the capitol hosts this day so what is it like over there what should people expect So it will be a day filled with blue and gold jackets. Uh, We'll have students from all over Oklahoma that are there for the day with the chance to visit with their uh, member of the House of Representatives as well as their state senator. I know the governor's going to have some time to spend with those students as well. So just a chance. And I I always say that no one can share the story better uh, than those kids themselves. And I so I think the um, ag teachers and parents that make them uh, able to be here and join us in Oklahoma City and tell the story of why FFA is such a great program and it's great to highlight we in Oklahoma we really do have the best FFA program in the United States Uh, we have students that excel at the national level um, every single year and so for those state legislators to see that uh, and be reminded of why they need to support the program and those kids it makes for a fun day and then hopefully encourages those students to learn a little bit more about government policy maybe we have some of those kids that want to run for state office or uh, represent their uh, district at home so kind of a two-way they get to share but also hopefully um, encourage them to be interested in policy and state government as well 
And again, depending on when you listen to this, it may have already passed, but that's on February 20th, FFA Day at the Capitol. And I also wanted to mention, a lot of listeners may know this, but also may not, Secretary Arthur, you were given an honorary American FFA degree at the state convention, or the national convention, pardon me, last year. So I know that was a great honor for you, and, and that was really cool that you got that. Yeah, it was. That was a very, very neat day for me, and um, I attribute uh, the FFA program to a lot of my success uh, in life. So that was a special and fun day, and appreciative to have that chance. Finally, before we go... Uh, we try to bring up a random ag fact. This segment, it makes sense that we bring up the ag census, which just was released recently this week as we record this podcast. Uh, Tuesday, February 13th is when it came out. And so a couple of stats from the ag census that uh, are positive for Oklahoma agriculture. Number one, from 2017 to 2022, the value of production between crops and livestock here in the state of Oklahoma increased by $1 billion from $7.5 to $8.5 billion. So I know we were all happy when we saw that number. Yes, for sure. Ag is growing, uh, which is a good thing. And we that was a great number to see. And appreciative of um, NAS and certainly Troy Marshall, who is our state statistician uh, here in Oklahoma, for uh, putting a lot of that information together for us to work through. And I have one more stat from the Ag Census. It has to do with agritourism here in Oklahoma. And it took a big jump. It went up from 2017 to 2022. The, uh, the, the income in 2017 was $6.5 million. And 2022 went all the way up to $11.1 million. I'm sure that math could be done quickly off the top of <laughs> people's heads, but not mine. Uh, almost doubled. Almost doubled. Almost. Yes. Thank you. Well, well that, that's easy to say it that way. So, uh, oh, I'm looking at our social media posts that we put out that I probably should have remembered this. Up 71%. So, there you uh, go. It's, it's up there. So, another good ag stat for the state of Oklahoma. And and want to give a lot of kudos to our team here. Uh, Mary Ruth Cohenauer is our market development director, but then our two agritourism coordinators, uh, Michaela Halverson and Whitney Wilkinson, who work with all those agritourism venues. And uh, real quickly, Lee, I'll even scroll back and give some kudos to the state legislature because the agritourism program uh, was created really not that long ago um, in Oklahoma. So that would have been uh, during Governor Henry's tenure when Secretary Terry Peach was here. Uh, Francie Tolley, who's a very familiar name to lots of those in Oklahoma Ag. Francie really helped kind of get agritourism started. And then we've had lots of wonderful staff members um, at the agencies since that time that have kind of helped uh, grow and strengthen. And I think that just shows that people that who aren't in ag have an interest in it. And we look forward to the agritourism program growing even more. Five years from now, that number, I mean, based on this rate of increase, I, I mean, yeah. I will, you never we shall know. see. Well, thank you for joining us on this edition of Young Ag Achievers. We invite you to join us for future episodes when we talk to more of Oklahoma agriculture's young ag achievers. For Secretary Arthur, I'm Lee Benson. Thank you for listening.